Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrive, treats me like commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all things connected to producing, developing, selling, and pricing it. Today, I have a real special guest, Gerhard Schwantner, uh, who is the publisher of Selling Power Magazine and a founder of Sales 3.0 Conferences and much more. Gerhard, welcome. Well, thank you, Mark, for inviting me. I'm very excited to participate in this conversation. Well, I'm really excited to have you. We we uh, punched this. We moved this recording session back a little bit till uh, after the most recent version of Sales 3.0 had concluded. And I would love to just get your thoughts on how you thought it went. Well, the Sales 3.0 conference uh, is getting better and better. We're learning how to do it virtually. Uh, this was our fifth virtual Sales 3.0 conference this year. And uh, with every experience, we learn something. We try to improve. We want to make it a better experience for the sponsors and for the attendees. That's why we hired um, you know, more high-caliber speakers because we're more diversity than ever. And um, we even hired a magician uh, for the breaks. Yeah, I uh, noticed you had lots of breaks and there was a really advanced uh, networking. I met a couple of great people. The, uh, the talks were really top notch this year. And so hats off to you. I thought, I thought it was great, but I, um, I just wanted to see if you felt the same. Yeah, uh, we had a thousand people, to be exact, 999 um, from 61 different countries worldwide. And uh, I got a lot of uh, emails and, and uh, texts and uh, uh, messages on, on LinkedIn. And uh, the one that sort of, the, the two that really touched me. Uh, one was uh, from a woman in California, uh, because I gave everybody the advice uh, dream bigger. And uh, I suggested go out and test drive a Ferrari or a Porsche, even if you have a Ford Explorer at this point, just to stretch your imagination. Um, I asked people to um, price out a house that's uh, 10x your price range and uh, think a little bit bigger. Or, uh, you know, when COVID is over, go and do a tandem jump, conquer your fears or try to shoot a hole in one, shoot for something that's bigger than you. And, um, and there was one woman, she said, I made an appointment uh, with a Porsche dealership. I got a test drive a car tomorrow and I'm going to price out a, a house that's 5X mine right now. Um, I don't have the funds, but I enjoy stretching myself. And there was a, a guy in Munich in Germany who uh, sent me an email afterwards and he says, uh, I made the, the plunge uh, to go in a different direction with my business uh, because I learned from you that if you connect what you, what you do with your heart, you're going to be so much more productive. 
So I feel that a lot of people's lives are changing because of their conference. And we had this in, uh, you know, in the, in the past okay, on occasion, but I think there's a greater intensity right now that people are ready uh, to find uh, more meaning, to find more success and more happiness. Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty clear to everybody that status quo is woefully inadequate and they have to do something different. And it, it's an awful way to get shaken out of your comfort zone. But we've been shaken out of our comfort zone, which in most cases is a really great thing, uh, as traumatic as, as the uh, effects of that are. And daring to be different, daring to be great is so difficult when status quo is comfortable. And so when status quo is no longer viable, um, the human spirit gets that inertia that it often needs. And so um, embrace that, I think. I think what happened, uh, the, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I think that um, the one guy that I interviewed recently, he is a psychiatrist and uh, uh, he says the uh, pandemic is really um, having an impact on the human psyche. There are more people anxious and upset and uh, or depressed than ever before in the United States and, and globally. And um, there is a, an anxiety pandemic, as he called it. And anxiety is, is like a coin with two faces. Uh, on one hand, you have the type of anxiety where you want to hide it under the desk. Um, you, you don't want to do anything. You're immobilized. Um, or you get agoraphobia. You don't want to go out. Yeah. And the second face of that coin is denial where people say well this is not going to hit me this uh i i, I declined to participate in that i don't want to wear a mask and then those people the deniers make bad decisions um and uh you know like i'm thinking about sales leaders you know that uh, they still jump on a plane when they can do a deal in in a virtual setting and uh or they uh, put their salespeople in jeopardy because they believe it's not a big deal. But uh, everybody has a different way of appraising reality. And our goal is to re appraise reality objectively, meaning that we, we shouldn't deny and we shouldn't get overly anxious. So the question is, how do you do that? And the one thing that's most important than anything else is self-care. Uh, you got to take care of number one, of the producer, of yourself. So you yeah. get enough rest, you get enough sleep, you, you meditate, you practice mindfulness, you exercise, you go for walks, you, uh, you talk to friends, and uh, you don't isolate yourself. You know, I, I think that's, before we get to that next, you know, I, I really was impacted by your keynote, Gerhard. But uh, before we get to that, I have been, um, faced with people who have thought that, you know, who, who were relationship sellers, right? I sell based on my relationship. And relationships are important, but if you sell based on your relationship, you sell based on the old whiskey and tickets, um, 
even if you're one of those people who says, I've got to go out and I'm going to get on the plan, I'm going to get in front of your customer, there's a chance that that customer is not very comfortable, even if they're allowed to talk to you, even if their company allows them to talk to you, there's a chance that you're making them more uncomfortable. And so that relationship needs to be in a more productive context. Your relationship is the key to your being able to articulate value, articulate customer outcomes, make yourself that consultative partner. Uh, relationship is the credibility that underlies that, but it isn't the sale. It's the foundation of the selling that people are going to have to be doing. Yeah, I, I agree. You, you raise an interesting um, uh, challenge, which is um, uh, managing the experience, uh, managing the customer experience. Yeah. How to make it an experience that's uplifting, that's positive, that's constructive, that's co-creative. And um, you, you, you want to give people a, a little bit more space and uh, spend a little bit more time allowing them, themselves to... Ex you know, I heard once somebody told me, when you're with a customer and you want to get to know that person, you want to get to know that business, you want to get to know their, their problems, allow the customer to express himself or herself and their three F words, fully, frankly, and freely, so that you don't step on their story. You listen to their story. You consider them as... Uh, you know, a, a co-creator. Uh, and if you really listen to their story, then you automatically come up with follow-up questions and follow the thread of the conversation and navigate your way through in a way that it becomes cohesive so that uh, people really want to, um, you know, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said, uh, selling is walking the road of agreement together. And uh, if you are too far ahead of the customer, you lose, the customer loses you. If you're walking too slowly and the customer is ahead of you, the customer is going to lose you. Yeah. And you're not going to make a sale. I love the term co-create, and I use that a lot. Uh, when I was at Miller Hyman, they used the term joint venture selling, where you are jointly venturing with your customer on a journey of mutual discovery and mutual creativity. Um, and that's a really great segue into uh, one of the things you said in your keynote. Um, the thing I was really struck was, here's uh, Gerhard Schwanner, who is sponsoring a conference at which he is welcoming people in the sales enablement and sales technology and sales automation world. And you told these people, you had the courage to tell these people, there are hundreds of sales automation. There's hundreds of sales skills tools. And they, none of, you know, very few of them or almost none of them are doing what's really important. We're, we're losing the forest for all of the trees, all the shiny bangles that we're putting on it. Uh, the phrase I use is putting beautiful ornaments on a dead tree. Um, you had the courage to, to challenge people's frame of reference, uh, even some of the vendors at that thing who were selling some of that technology. Tell right. me uh, about 
your thought and your conviction well, uh, here's, the here's the to thing. do that. Um, 20 years ago, I, I was still believing that um, sales success is the result of knowledge, skills, and motivation. And there were a lot of great motivators out there like Zig Ziglar and Earl Nightingale, uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, um, and uh, Dr. Dennis Waitley or Dr. Wayne Dyer. And, um, and then something changed fundamentally, which is information industry. Um, so knowledge is no longer a, a commodity. Uh, it is available to everybody at the same time. It, uh, the internet democratized information. So salespeople lost a huge advantage. They had the information that the customer needed and the, the customer viewed them as the, the knowledge provider. Now the customer can self-educate and uh, customers complete 60 or 70% of their buying journey online. Um, then I'm, I'm going to interrupt that story. CSO Insights did some research in 2018, a, a buyer survey, and they found out that salespeople ranked second to the last out of nine possible sources of information. So not only are salespeople no longer the, the source of information, they are one of the least preferred. Right. Go ahead. So I thought we need to think about this differently. The success formula to me today is that sales success requires the right mindset, the right skill set, and the right tool set. And the tool set, I mean technology. So when, um, and then it dawns uh, some, I, I watched a, a YouTube video on the evolution of the driver in golf. And, uh, and they had the footage where they show uh, a 1990 Titleist. And, um, uh, you know, people were swinging the club and, and uh, hit it for about like 235 yards, 240 yards, there was a good drive. And, and then the driver technology over 30 years, the, the 2020 uh, driver, uh, you can hit it 285, maybe 300 yards. Um, and so technology, 30 years of technology have improved uh, the, the distance, but not the accuracy. Um, and I thought, I've got to look at it from a different way. I look at the scoring average of the PGA to a player. And 30 years ago, the scoring average was 71.5. And uh, with 30 years of ball technology improvement and driver technology and club technology improvement, the score went down to 71.3. Which is of a stroke. Right. <laughs> From 0.5 to 71.5 to 71.3. It dawned on me the same is true in selling. So I looked at the CSO Insight studies, you know, uh, just 10 years ago, not 30 years ago, because they haven't done the service for that long, but 10 years ago, the, the average forecasted deal, the, the, the uh, forecasting percentage, the ability to close a forecasted deal was about 52%. And today it's down to 43%. So fewer forecasted deals are closing and more deals lead to no decision uh, end state. Um, and, and there are more decision makers involved. So when you look at the, the whole field of technology, 
you know, in, in 1999, Salesforce.com started out. In, in, the, in the year 2000, uh, their sales were about $5 million. In uh, 2020, uh, last I checked, uh, Salesforce.com market value is over $200 billion. The company is a giant. And uh, in the year 2000, there was one app, which was CRM, Salesforce.com. Uh, today, you have 3,400 applications riding on Salesforce if you need them. Um, most companies now have 12, 15, some even 20 apps that ride on Salesforce.com. But I want to remind everybody um, that you are not getting 100% of your dollar that you invest in technology because the utilization factor is only between 40 to 60%. So for every dollar you spend on technology, you get 60 cents worth of functionality, of, of utilization. And technology doesn't close sales. People do close sales, unless you're Amazon, where you, you don't need salespeople. You can buy a $10,000 high-end camera on Amazon without ever talking to a salesperson. And... That's that's great for those you know business to consumer markets, but you and I live with and work with people who are on highly complex complex buying decision B two B sales, and I don't see that automated information ever taking the place. Um, as more information has come into the hands of customers and they have more efficiently self informed. I think they've more efficiently self-misinformed. And then salespeople ask them, what are your pains and what do you want? What the customer gives them is the product of that misinformation, that self-misinformation. And all the salespeople propose the exact same proposal that mirrors the customer's self-information loop. Um, and then we all complain that all those proposals are the same, you know, it's the same proposal with three different cover sheets. And that's why no decision wins because the customer says there's nothing different now. Anyway, I must, maybe I'll just wait until something's different in the future. Yeah. And there's um, also a lot of misinformation. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, there, there are a lot of fake uh, reviews on Amazon. There are a lot of fake reviews um, everywhere on the web about products, about companies, and about people. So there, uh, it, it is not uh, that difficult to find information. That's easy. But finding the right information is more difficult. So the salesperson becomes sort of an ambassador uh, that speaks two languages, uh, speaks the language of the industry and the company, but also the language of the customer. Um, and they, they need to translate for the customer what all that noise means and where the signals is. And that, you know, that brings us full circle back to the relationship to be able to tell the customer what that information means. They really have to trust you. They have to trust you more than as Dave Beal says, they have to trust you more than they trust themselves. Right. And so um, that, goes back to something that you're just a huge maven on it, which is mindset. And I think there's so much in mindset and you can speak much more to it than I am, but the part that I am really fascinated with 
um, that I work with my clients to, to hire for is a mindset of service to client. It's easy to get salespeople who are an expert on our stuff. It's kind of easy to get salespeople who are able to understand my customer's business. It's really difficult to get salespeople who will take that ability to understand the customer's business to actually want the desire and the follow through to actually understand the customer's business. Because once you have that combination of understanding of my stuff and understanding the customer's business, only you can be the one that says, here's how this kind of a product can really affect your business. And so that mindset, that service to client and service to others, that curiosity is right. uh, that's so so important. I, I, uh, I have a different way to think about that. that um, breaks it down uh, to the simplest element. Um, I think that the the mindset of the seller uh, is really constructed uh, through either experience, through training, or or mentoring from the sales manager. And uh, salespeople are sometimes like chameleon. They uh, uh, adopt very well uh, to the way the company is run. So there, uh, to me, there are four different mindsets. Uh, one is that they view sales, they believe sales is a transaction. And uh, that's the old mindset where uh, I remember some a sales trainer that whose name I don't want to mention, but he says, selling is essentially a transfer of the money that's in the customer pocket, a customer's pocket into my pocket. So uh, that's, that's typical, you know, exploitative sales. And, uh, and there's a, a cartoon I really like uh, uh, that illustrates that well of a used car salesman putting his arm around the customer saying, you know, we screw all those other people so we can pass on the savings to you. <laughs> yeah. So the, the second mindset, the second belief system is the relationship mindset where salespeople believe if they have a good relationship, then that will lead them to the uh, ultimate sale and uh, it makes them competition proof and it makes them feel good. Uh, then there is a, a third level mindset, which I call the value mindset where salespeople believe that they can provide value at every step of the way from the beginning to the end. So that uh, they, uh, you know, have the customer's um, sort of ideal dream state in mind and, uh, and help them see reality and make the best decisions uh, that will give the customer the ultimate value, but also profitability to the salesperson's company. And I think there's another level beyond that, which is, uh, I would call it the, the partnership mindset, where the salesperson feels that they are almost like part of the customer organization and they're partner with them and they're a lot more proactive and uh, that that's actually you know happening at Walmart where uh, the 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 buyers um, you know work with uh, 
salespeople that represent companies where the sales salespeople have an office in Bentonville, Arkansas, and now it's virtually, but they're part of the customer organization. And uh, partnership sales is a different mindset that uh, has probably the highest probability of optimizing your um, company in the marketplace in a way that nobody else can. I think transactional sales is limiting. I think that the relationship uh, selling is a little bit better, but value value sellers outsell the relationship sellers. And I think partnership selling is, to me, the ultimate. I I had a guest uh, on a recent podcast, Rob Hartnett, who's a brilliant sales consultant who was with me at Miller Hyman. Now he's uh, doing leadership development. He's in uh, um, he's in Australia, and uh, he in that in that podcast interview he used the phrase, "The people who win are going to be the ones who are selling as if you're already doing business together." And it's that partnership mindset um, where you understand the customer, their business. Uh, you started to co-create. You're intertwined. You're bringing in your implementation team way earlier into the business process, and you're not creating a sales plan. And you're not creating a close plan. You're co-creating a go-live plan. Um, it's interesting. Uh, go life plan. It makes a lot of sense. I heard somebody else say we are creating a victory plan for the customer. Yeah. With the customer. Um, I, I tell people, if you start thinking after the sales support, you're already on the wrong track because it's between sales, isn't it? Right. And if you start thinking after the sales, you've already put yourself in a mental place that is you've started going down the wrong track. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. So that uh, that mindset shift requires a different conversation. And uh, I think the conversation always begins with what is the addressable market? Uh, what is our goal? What is our strategy for helping um, all those customers, potential customers out there? And the big question that companies need to ask themselves is the why. Why are we doing what we are doing? And if the why is really big, it's life-changing, it's earth-shaking, it's momentous, it is meaningful, Uh, the bigger the why, the bigger the try, and the easier the how. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, What a great conversation, Gerard. Um, Thank you. How how can people get a hold of you, get involved in some of your conferences, uh, Make sure they sign up for Selling Power Magazine and, and all of that. Help people connect with you and, well, and all of first the of all, that you do. Well, first of all, I want to, this is the spirit of Christmas, the holidays. Anybody wants to uh, get Selling Power, you can get it for free. We normally charge $29 a year. Uh, go to sellingpower.com and use this code FREESP. You know how to spell the word free and then SP, Sam Paul stands for selling power. So use that free SP code and get your one, one year subscription free. And uh, we have our next sales 3.0 conference on February 24th and 25th. Uh, so it's a two day conference. We're gonna have amazing speakers. 
and uh, we are going to prepare uh, for the recovery in 2021. That's great. Uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on the, it's probably going to be the virtual stage again, but you're yep. dialing that virtual conference in really well. And I, I can't wait to see uh, how you take it up even a notch higher. Uh, Gerhard, thank you so much. And thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value is all in your customer's mind, which means that your success with every one of your customers and clients is in your customer's head. Thanks and have a high value day. Thank you, Mark. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.